0: From the headquarters of Team Cowboy, coming to you all the way from Anderson, South Carolina, this is the Finance Cowboy Show, where we're going to teach you how you can create your dream life through the greatest asset in the world, real estate. I'm your host, Jaron Sustar, and I went from having zero properties in 2018 to a portfolio of over $5 million worth of real estate by 2021. And I am excited to be able to teach you All the lessons, tips, and tricks that I have learned throughout my journey, while also introducing you to some of the greatest real estate minds in this entire world. So, without further ado, let's get this party started. All right. So, I'm excited to have my buddy Patrick McGrath on today. What's up, Patrick?
1: How's it going, my man? Long time no see.
0: I know, dude. I'm excited to have you on um, because you had me on y'all's podcast, the Real FI podcast, I don't know, a few months ago. And, uh, I had an absolute blast. You guys were awesome to talk to. And so to be able to return the favor and, uh, you be on my show and be able to speak to our audience about all the crazy things you've done in real estate, things you're doing, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, man. Me too. Dude. Great conversation. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just love talking real estate, dude. Just just love it. Doesn't matter if someone doesn't own anything or has a big portfolio like you or doing better than me, man. I just I love talking shop. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Hopefully help educate, motivate and inspire some of your listeners out there to go out there, and follow their dreams of financial independence and freedom. Man, that's what it's all about.
0: 100%. Yeah, I know we're going to we're going to douse the listeners right now with so many nuggets that they're going to be able to take back. I mean, we literally were just talking offline. You signed a lease agreement, uh, five minutes before this show starts. You got a triplex, you got quadplexes, you got sixplexes, sevenplexes, seven plexes, apartment complex, commercial properties. I mean, you've, uh, you've dabbled in pretty much everything you've bird properties. You bought them traditionally. So there is so much, um, that you're going to be able to offer, And um, I can't wait to dig in. I will say one of the things that struck me uh, when I was reading our notes before we got started is um, I think some of the more recent deals you've done have been off market and I think some seller financing. Tell us about it, how how those come about.
1: The last four deals that I've found have all been off market and all have had some sort of seller financing, owner financing along with them, but actually... I think my second multifamily that I bought had uh, a little bit of seller financing. I got the owner to lend uh, to lend me $80,000 on the deal. So at the time, um, he wanted $280,000 for the property and I didn't have enough money to do the down payment. So what I did at the time, I just asked him to, we'll do the selling docs at two hundred, dollars and then we'll do an uh, offline $80, $85,000 note um, so that lowered the 25% that I needed down by like 15 or 20 grand. Now, at the time, I, I should have just did a, um, seller financing note, but with doing an FHA, they don't allow funds to come from, you know, uh, an owner. So this was kind of a workaround that we were able to do. But since then, I've done, uh, 20% seller carry for my six unit. seller carry for the commercial property that, uh, we bought back in December. And then I actually did a 85% seller note on the seven unit that we closed in January. So they're holding 550,000. Um, so yeah, I have like five different seller carry notes out there, all ranging between four and 5% interest. Um, yeah, the most recent one was four percent interest for five years with two two-year extensions. So, I mean,
0: bro, yeah. you can't you can't work a better deal than that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, dude, I think the biggest thing with is is all off market. So it's it's sending out postcards. You know, I use Deal Machine. I pull a list of my local area of the properties that I want, and I just send out postcards every ten days and that's it. And I've been doing it for the last three years. Um, you know, All you need to find is one deal yeah. and it covers everything. So um, my mindset is I, I want to buy one great deal every year. And, uh, and when I mean great, I mean great. And that'll carry me over. I don't need to have high volume of deals coming through um, because we own a hundred percent of everything. There's no partners or anything at this particular point. So that's kind of that's kind of how we go. If you want to dive into one of those, I'm happy to talk more about the numbers. You just let me know, man.
0: Yeah, dude, that is that is awesome. I think it's interesting to talk about the um, uh, the lead generation through the postcards. So I don't utilize that strategy personally very often. I probably need to, you know, uh, plug that in. So maybe I'll learn something from you here. I've done more, you know, cold calling and networking to generate my leads. But I think it's cool to explore different ways to do it because there a lot there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. So when you are sending out postcards, you're sending out letters, whatever the case may be, to these potential sellers this area that you've chosen. What does that look like? So how are you creating your letters to stand out? And then what's the cost per acquisition? Like is it cost a lot of money or is it a pretty pretty low risk way to get leads?
1: Uh I mean, it's pretty easy. So I bought a list of Eight hundred properties. Now, I strictly want small, medium, and large multifamily. So I'm not
0: on a list. Walk people through that. How how you
1: went about that? So what I did is I went to ListSource.com, typed in my area, so my state's Maryland. Typed in the counties and the zip codes that I'm specific and specifically looking for, and then I wanted to narrow it down where I was mainly looking for like triplexes up. Not really single family, duplex kind of guy. Uh triplex up. So I basically did multifamily. I did a square footage because I knew I wanted I needed a property a certain square footage that would be that triplex uh because sometimes uh the county could have the records off wrong. I needed it to not have traded within the last 10 years. Um, I didn't want anything that was bought or sold within the last 10 years. So it had enough equity on the bone because I'm looking specifically for some sort of seller carrier, some seller finance. Yeah. And someone that doesn't have enough equity in the property isn't going to have the opportunity to do that. Plus people that have owned these properties for a long time are more likely well-versed in real estate how to get deals done. And if they're responding to my postcard, they're more likely to want to sell or at least be open to what I have to offer. Um, so that was just kind of my mindset around it.
0: You say Most of these people are other investors since it is multifamily.
1: Correct. Most of them are other investors and uh, most of them have owned their property over 10 years. Mm. So they've got a good bit of equity built into the property. And we've had a ton of appreciation over the last 10 years. Yeah. So they have a ton of room to be able to work with me when I'm asking them to hold 10, 15, 20% for two or three years to cover my down payment since I'm going to be doing these with commercial loans. Bro,
0: um, you go back and look at what these guys and gals were buying properties for 10 years ago? It will make you nauseous. <laughs> it's like, like, bro, they were stealing these things. I mean, in some of my areas, I went back and looked. And they're buying them for like 25 grand and they're now worth like $175,000. I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, all day. So, like, so then I can go to them and sometimes you can give them their price as long as you get your terms because, you know, we're looking for cash on cash returns. So, um, if I can get into a deal for 5%, instead of 25%, I can pay a little bit more than somebody else. Um, especially because I'm looking for certain opportunities where I can force appreciation. So like, you know, it all comes down for me to my cash on cash return. So that's why I'm looking for these specific properties. And then I upload that list into the deal machine app and, uh, then you can look at the property, make sure all the information's right. They even give you the street view like Google Street View so you can see the the outside of the house. And then you can just put them on a mailing campaign, whether that's every week, two weeks, once a month, however you'd like to schedule that out um to send them a postcard. It automatically sends them a postcard, you know, during that scheduled time and then you can say, "Hey, I want to do 6 postcards." And then at that, it'll end the campaign or you can just have it go on forever. Um, and I think it's between like 50 and 60 cents to send a postcard out. So it's yeah. not even that much. And that 800 list, I, I only really send out to like 180 to 200 of those that are like really specific what I'm looking for in the areas that I'm looking for. So, you know, I might get two or three calls, uh, within a three to six month period, but those people are exactly who I'm looking for. And I've been able to close three deals with these postcards over the last two years. Um, and they've, they've all taken like nine to 12 months because it's just that relationship building, hmm. you know, and they're in your area. So when that person calls you, you know, Hey, uh, you're instantly telling them, Oh, oh yeah, I gr- I live in the area. Yep. One or I, I invest in the area. Where's the property at? Oh yeah. I've got a property on this street over here. So, and I'm the guy buying the property. I'm not, I'm not flipping it. You know, I'm not looking to wholesale it like I'm buying it. Cause I'm a buy and hold rental investor. Just like you tell me your story. story.
0: I think that's huge. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you said, Hey, I'm not a wholesaler. I'm the guy buying this because they get peppered from wholesalers all the time. And if you let them know, I, I specifically do this myself when I'm cold calling or I'm texting, hey, I am an investor. I'm not a wholesaler. I think everybody should add that into their messaging.
1: Exactly. So all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm Patrick. OK, Patrick is looking to try to come up a deal, you know, with J.D. or whatever. And I, I sometimes I just take the information down and say, hey, look, let me do some research when would be the best time for me to follow back up with you after I've looked into the property? Never ask for a price, any of that stuff on the first on the first time. Just, hey, how many beds and baths? How many units? How long have you owned it for? When's the last time you did the roof? Just some basic stuff. And uh, let me do some research. And then I try to follow up with them sometime within the next like three days to a week, And then when I hit them up again, confirm everything, ask them how everything's going. You're building that relationship. You know, I was in sales for a really long time, so I'm trying to get my touches in. And uh, over the course of time, it just takes a while to build that trust up um, for them to want to do a deal with you. Because then you have to massage it and figure out what price they want, figure out how long they've had it and if they are willing to hold a note. Like, what do they plan on doing with the property? All those questions that uh, you hear people talk about on podcasts and on YouTube videos, it you have to strategically ask them, you know, and not just have diarrhea of the mouth the first time someone calls you and you get an opportunity on the phone, you know? thats I love that, dude. Build that relationship.
0: Don't go in. You're not going to ask a girl to marry you on the first date, most likely. That's the most cliche analogy I can make, but it's true. Get to know these people, build their trust, show them you're a good human and, you know, see where the relationship takes you. And, um, you know, th- there's a good chance that you're going to lead, it's going to lead to good deals. We did that with a trailer park, a mini trailer park. You know, we got to know the investor and he held a note for us and it was an interest only note for like a year. So we were able to stack up some cash and then we actually ended up selling it a year and a half later for pretty much double for what we paid. And it you can get creative, but it starts with trust and building those relationships. I do want to ask, Do you have you found any wording or design to get into the nitty gritty of these letters that have helped response, or do you keep it pretty simple?
1: I'm going to give you my secret, okay? Here's what I did. Let's go. They have about 20 different sample postcards that are there, and all I did was pick the one that had the picture of the house on the front and change the color from yellow to blue. Cause I think blue is a very inviting, non-threatening color and I didn't change anything else. The one key piece of one key secret that I did is I use my wife's name as the person to contact instead of myself. Don't use your name by any means. Yeah. So I just use my wife's name uh, cause I feel like, Majority of real estate investors, the ones that I'm looking to get in tont- contact with are older men who've owned their properties for a long time. So I, I kind of have a feeling, whether it's true or not, that uh, they, they might be more likely to respond to a postcard that has a female's name on it instead of a male's name. So love it. that's my one thing. And everybody calls and goes, hey, is Danielle there? I'm like, oh, this is Patrick, her husband. She's busy right now. How can I help you? Bam. That's, exactly. that's really it. I mean, I, I, look, I don't think, you know, specific wording and colors and all this stuff really make a ton of sense. Pick what, what makes sense to you. If you got it, that in the mail, would you respond? Mm. Go with that or try it out. I mean, we're not even talking about spending a lot of money here, like three, 400 bucks over two or three months. If you don't get a response, change the color, change the wording maybe, but you know, I'd rather you go out and Pick something and just do it, then spend two months researching the perfect color and the perfect wording and then never do anything like, you know, decide, commit, take action. Just do it and you'll and you you know, you'll get responses because most people aren't doing the hard part. They're not sending the letters. They're not sending the postcards. They're doing the easy stuff. They're doing the robo calls. They're doing the text messages. So if you can be the person that's doing what everybody else won't, you're going to have those results that everybody else don't.
0: Love it. Love it. That's some savvy stuff right there. I hope you guys are taking notes uh, because this will generate some leads for you. So I want to take this way back to why real estate for you. You're absolutely crushing it. We'll dive into some more deals. But where, what's your origin story?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when I was growing up, I always, you had like the Donald Trumps of the world, you know, like, and it was anyone who really had any sort of money or financial freedom or, um, was wealthy, owned real estate. So that kind of always peaked, peaked my interest a little bit. And then, um, you know, you're young and I think one of my first jobs, I was making like 28 grand a year, you know, uh, 401k. And I'm like, man, I'm never going to be able to retire doing this, uh, young sales guy. So it was like, let me let me start looking, and uh, I stumbled on a bigger pockets, stumbled on a rich dad, poor dad, and you know the real estate game. It just it really stuck with me. It made sense to me. Uh, leverage, I loved all that, and I knew this was something that long term I could do, and I had a way better chance of being successful at this than you know earning half a million dollar a year salary or retiring with five million dollars a year putting five or 10 or 15% of my salary into my 401k. Um, and, and that was kind of why in the beginning, it was just like young. And, um, I figured that would probably be the path of least resistance to, to become wealthy. And then over time it turned into, um, wanting to, you know, create my own business, wanting the time freedom, um, you know, wanting the ability to spend more time at home. Um, I I did uh, outside sales for five years and was gone, you know, one to two weeks a month traveling for five freaking years. Um, So, you know, being able to just focus on and do whatever, whatever I want to do every single day. And that's, that's kind of how it, it progressed over time.
0: Yeah. I think mean, that's awesome. You look at real estate and, you mentioned this, you can look back and see that it makes people wealthy. That's what I always warn people when they look into get my mentorship or coming to my ecosphere somehow warning, this asset will make you wealthy, you know, and we know that me and you know that because we've been doing it and it's done it. But before you even take the plunge, you can look and know that because you can look at people in history and seen all the millions of people who have been getting very, very wealthy off of this one asset For decades upon decades upon decades and so it's not a we're not at a place of oh we need a proof of concept now it's this this isn't speculation like crypto this is this is proof it works so now you have to say look the ball's in my court now there's nobody else to blame but yourself if you're not taking advantage of it and the guys like yourself who have you look back and i'm sure you're probably like me you're just like Holy crap. I'm so glad I did this. You know, like it literally changes your life. It's not just some phrase that we all say, like we're not just out here talking about financial freedom as a, as a myth, as a wish. This is like, no, this is tangible for us.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I, I ran a couple numbers, uh, before we came on. So If you have a net worth of $500,000 or more, not including your primary residence, you're in the top 20% of the United States. So net worth of $500,000 or more, not including your primary residence, top 20%. If you have a net worth of a million dollars or more, you are in the top 6.5% of the United States, okay? Take that million and turn it into $2 million. You were in the top two and a half percent of net worth in the United States, and you are in the one percent with a net worth of five million dollars or more. Now, those numbers right there are great. But to be a millionaire in the United States, you are actually in the top one percent in the entire world population. Wow! And to have a million dollars of net worth is really not that hard and you, you can do that in, you know, two to five years, just yep. grinding with real estate, not even like really, really trying extremely hard. You can be in the top 1% of the world, you know? So, like, I, I like to put that out there just because I think some people don't have, have a really good grasp on reality on what being – uh being a millionaire really looks like and how important that really is and what status that really gives you out there because everyone has their feeds curated with a bunch of people with, you know, fake private jets and all this other stuff, Lambos and everything. But the, yep. the real people, the real millionaires out there, they, they did it just like this. And um, you can too, you know?
0: Yep. You've done it. I've done it. I did. I started in 2018 with a negative net worth. And we're five years down the road and we are in the multi-millionaire status in five years because of real estate. And it does a lot for you. But one of the most beautiful things it does outside of the freedom, outside of, you know, just having money is it gives you this sense of security. Because you're sitting here saying, wow, I'm in this percentile that most people aren't. And I am in a really good position. Finances can be a very stressful topic, especially as you get married, especially as you have kids and you get older and you want to retire. Why not rid yourself of that topic, of that potential obstacle by taking the leap into an asset that will 100% mitigate that risk and and take that out you know, away from me. I don't understand why what what people are doing when they're waiting on the sidelines, you know? It just doesn't make sense.
1: Exactly. And 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 one of the things that people don't realize is, you know, building wealth also really helps your health, okay? Yep. Because finances and stress, you know, heart attacks are one of the leading causes of death in the United States. And people get that because of stress, and a lot of the time it's work-related and Home related and the home related 80% of the time is finance related. So, not only by building, building wealth are you alleviating your stress, but you're also gonna, you're also gonna, you know, impact your health a lot too. I know me personally over the last two years of quitting my W 2 like my level of overall happiness has increased like tenfold. Just because, like, I get to wake up every day and do whatever it is that I want to do, like, talk talk to you and help inspire and motivate others, you know, go out there. And-
0: You're excited about just, just the thing you said. You get to wake up and you live your life by design every day. Picture this. You're ready to put an offer on the perfect investment property, but then you hit a wall. Financing. Dealing with hard money lenders is the biggest headache us real estate investors have, and I thought that's just how hard money had to be, until I met Backflip. Backflip is totally different. They're changing hard money by making loans actually stress-free, and I know this firsthand because I personally use them for my own deals. It's the perfect combo of tech and real people. Their free app makes everything more efficient, and every loan is personalized to what matters to you, be it low interest, high leverage, or zero payments until you sell or refi. And while other lenders just write a check and forget about you, Backflip has been a true partner for my business. Call them anytime with any question. Even if you don't borrow for them, you can use their app to pull comps and estimate profits. Discover the Backflip difference at backflip.mobi backslash finance cowboy pod.
1: It doesn't matter if I, you know, call in sick to myself and want to do a Netflix day, like, Hey, I'm still getting paid. Like this is the first week of week of the month, man. The the rent checks are coming in, whether I'm really doing anything or not. Like I could literally never buy another piece of real estate and be set for the rest of my life. As long as I don't have that lifestyle creep, you know? So that, that, that's really, uh, that's really one of the most powerful things about it is, is giving you that, um, that financial freedom and a lot of people don't understand what that really comes down to. And that's just peace of mind and time freedom. It has, it had really doesn't the dollar amount um, is just so you have a goal to work towards. But really, I think it's more of that time freedom relationship freedom type of thing. That makes the most sense.
0: No doubt that's spot on. So there's probably people listening saying, all right, you know, you guys are in a great spot. How did you get started? How do you make the jump? Into this wild world of real estate, what that look like for you?
1: I started off buying my first house as a foreclosure. You know, I didn't go and and get the uh, get the house that was all that was all fixed up and everything. We, uh, my wife and I, we we bought our first house as a foreclosure and decided to roll up our sleeves and you know do some sweat equity, and and that's what we did. You know, three and a half percent down FHA loan foreclosure, and uh, we lived there for. Three and a half, four years and did, you know, fixed up the bathroom, fixed up the kitchen, did some painting, did some stuff here and there. And after four years, we had built up a little equity and we decided to take out a home equity line of credit, a HELOC. Mm -hmm. And we used the equity in our house to build up that down payment that everyone struggles to get. And uh, that's how we went out and bought our first investment property. We, we utilized our primary residence. And instead of going on a big vacation or buying a a uh, an RV or anything like that, we decided to invest that money into our first investment property. And uh, you know, that's that's basically what we did. We bought another foreclosure, and we uh, we did all the work ourselves. It took us like nine months. We did what every first time investor does: is we over improved our property because my rental is going to be the best, and I'm going to have the best tenants and all of that. And, uh, actually we made it nicer than our own house. So we moved into our first investment property nah, and just, rented out our primary residence.
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude. I love that. I love that. So did you, when you pulled out that HELOC on the first property, cause I think, I think that heloc's an interesting strategy and I, I love it. Um, how did you utilize that to buy the second property? Did you burn it? Did you buy it using all the HELOC and the refi out, or did you just use part of your HELOC as the down payment to buy that second property?
1: Yes. So we used all of the the HELOC money. We got like forty five thousand, and we we just had enough to uh, to buy the property closing and everything, and maybe like five thousand um, dollars. To start doing the renovations. So um, on that one, and mind you, for like the lat for like three or four years leading up to this, I'm a bigger pockets phenom. I'm reading every single book possible. I'm talking to everybody about real estate. No one believed me. I'm getting, I'm asking my dad to come look at properties with me and everything. And he never wanted to do anything. He's like, no, no, nope, nope. <laughs> yep, too risky. I don't believe in it. So finally I found this property and I went to him. I was like, look, dad, I went and saw this property. I'm buying this, you know, I just want you to come and come and look at it. I just need that fatherly approval. Make sure I'm, you know, not making the biggest mistake of my life. So he looked, we walked around the property. He looked at it and he said, um, you know, Hey, you, you're going to buy this and you can do this by yourself. And basically, you know, I was like, yes, sir. Like I'm, as long as you give me the go ahead, like I'm going to do it. And uh, he said, all right, well, I want to go in with you. And he decided to split it with me. And me, him and Danielle, we worked on that for the next nine months. You know, with his half, we were able to, you know, do some more of the renovations. We bought that property for 175,000. We put 30,000 into it and it appraised six months later for $289,000. And that was the light bulb. That was, that was when we were like, Hey, this, this actually works. This is a proven concept. Like, and we did it. We put the nine months of blood, sweat and tears into this thing, you know? And then for my dad, he saw that, hey, like we almost made a hundred thousand dollars, you know, in less than a year. Like, so here's the cool part because we moved into that property. It was now a primary residence. So what can you do with the primary residence? You can take out a HELOC. So we took out another HELOC on that property. We got $85,000 from that one. And that gave us the down payment for our first triplex. And we moved and gave us the money for a new primary. So then we we had two rentals and a third one with the triplex. So it was like HELOC, HELOC, boom. And then uh, about three years later, because everyone's like, how the hell are you paying off these HELOCs? Uh, about three years later, we cash out, refinanced both those properties, paid off the HELOCs, um, Back at and uh, even got a little bit of extra cash out of there. So, like it all kind of worked out just like that. But everybody who's got a primary residence, build up that equity, and then you can utilize that equity for that down payment. And that's kind of how we got started. And it's just, it's just a snowball. It's, it's a, it's a long, slow grind uh, for most of us, and it's okay for it to be that way too.
0: Yeah. Cause it's totally worth it. And in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't take that long, you know, and you look back and you've been on the journey the whole time and it goes by quick. I was talking with a guy earlier today. It's like, bro, he's been doing it 15 years. He's like 15 years blows by. He's like, and when you have been buying real estate for 15 years, like you get so wealthy, you know, he's like, don't try to get rich in one to two years. Number one, you can't unless you just get lucky, like set expectations, play the long game and you will build wealth. Sooner, you'll build that security, and then as time goes on, man, it just compounds, and it leads to, like you said, the freedom and wealth. But I love your strategies because you get creative, dude. I mean, you've been creative since day one, using the HELOC, um, you know, using another HELOC, getting you know a triplex, and then moving into another home, and so you accumulating all these rentals through creative ways. A lot of people think, oh, I just got to go put twenty percent down. Um, you know, with my own money every time. Well, I don't have my own money. Well, where can you go find it? You found it through a HELOC. You found it through partnering with your dad. Some people find it through hard money lending. Some people find it through private lending. You found it through seller financing. I have found it through seller financing and other deals. Look, I have always said this, and it sounds flippant if you've never done real estate, but if you've done real estate, you know that it's true. The money is the
1: easy part. It is. It's the deal is the hardest part.
0: The deal. The deals are harder to find. But if you can find deals, you can get money. It's that simple. There are 7 billion people on planet Earth, close to 350 million in the United States. You find a good deal, one of those will lend to you. Whether it's your HELOC, whether it's your dad, whether it's your friend, whether it's your coworker, whether it's a stranger you meet at a real estate meetup, if you have a deal, you can find money. And that is all there is to it. Nobody will convince me otherwise.
1: Thousand percent. I think uh, sometimes it's that limiting belief, though, because I can remember when I was listening to a podcast just like this, being the person with no deals and no money going, oh, yeah, like I just need to find a deal and someone's just going to magically give me money. But now... Here I am five years later saying a thousand percent. Like if someone brought me an awesome deal, like I could go find the money for them and partner with them. No problem. Like if you've got a deal, go talk to someone that's doing deals or like you said, a meetup or someone's going to give you the money or they're going to tell you about someone who lends on that or they're going to want to partner with you. Like finding the deals is the hardest part of the whole game. Like. There's trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars floating all around every single day, Yep. Like, yep. but there's not trillions of deals. <laughs>
0: exactly. And one of the things too, to stay on this lender topic, is don't feel as though you're a beggar. I think that was one of the things I had to get over. When you find a good deal and you need money, you need capital, you're not a beggar. You are a business person doing a business deal and you are, are benefiting from the deal and your lender is benefiting from the deal. They're not just handing you money over. They are going to make a great return. And so it is a two-way street and there's a lot of people who want to do that. I'm starting to lend out more now. Why? You would say, well, why won't you just go buy? Well, I do go buy, but it diversifies my portfolio when I start lending. And there's a ton of investors who have tons of properties that will lend to you. There's a ton of investors who maybe have sold off all their properties, don't want to do real estate anymore, who will lend to you. There's a ton of people who don't want to get into real estate, but they hate the stock market. And so they want to put their money to work somewhere that'll lend to you. I mean, there are scores of people, then there's companies who will do it. So anyways, not to beat a dead horse, man. I just love how you have done a fantastic job. Of getting creative, you know, even early on in your career. And then even the last four deals you just bought, you know, were were seller financing. So I think it's awesome. So you spent a lot of time in the residential space. When I say residential up to a quadplex. Okay. So you guys listening from a banking standpoint, residential is going to be single family home, duplex, triplex, quadplex. And then you've branched out. You mentioned this earlier. You wanted to look Properties with more units, and so you got a sixplex, sevenplex, ten-unit apartment complex, and a five-unit commercial. What is that transition like, um, going from the residential space to the we'll call it commercial space? Anything over four units, and how how is it different when it comes to analyzing? How's it different with funding, and um, you know how's it fared for you?
1: Yeah, so first and foremost, it's failed. It's fared amazingly. Um, but it's, it's, it's a completely different ball game, but it's the same exact game. Um, and I'll, I'll break that down here in a second, but moving from the twos, threes, and fours to the six, sevens and tens, um, it's, it's just scaling everything a little bit more. Um, you're going to need a little bit more money down. So in regards to, to banking and everything. Um, and your, your payments are going to be a little bit higher. So, you know, a triplex or a fourplex, you're going to need 25% down. A five unit and up, you're going to need 25% down. The biggest difference is you're going to get this 30 year fixed rate amortization on that four, um, and less. And then you're going to get five year balloon you know, 20, 25 plus amortization on that larger stuff. So your payments are going to be a little higher, you know, percent wise for your units. Um, but the really big aspect that I really, really want to hone in on for people that don't understand commercial is that the forced appreciation that you have is all based off of the income that the property brings in. So it's the, what's called your net operating income. Your net operating income and your cap rate are what really drive the value of your property. So you could have two 5,000 square feet properties side by side. One's a four unit, one's a five unit. They could have the same exact rents. Your four unit is only going to sell max based on what all of the other properties in the neighborhood are selling for for a price per square foot in that same condition. You might get a little bit of a premium from your appraiser to do the income strategy, but you really have to, you know, you really, you really got to sort that one out, but your five unit over here, it could be in crappy condition, but bringing in $10,000 in net operating income a month, and could be worth a million dollars. Like it's, it's, re- it, 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 as crazy as it sounds that that's really how it works. So when I started to understand that. I found these value-add properties where I could increase the rent, you know, uh, three, four, five, six hundred $600 a unit. Um, for instance, for everybody out there, you're going to like numbers. I bought my 10-unit apartment building for $850,000. It was bringing in $7,200 a month. Okay. I put $100,000 into it. It now rents for $14,250 and it appraised for 1.725 million in double. 18 months you doubled it doubled that's it it's
0: not based off the market rate that's not based on an appraiser coming out and saying oh this other unit's worth that based on square footage this is strictly based on it was bringing in 7000 bucks a month you made it nice and you doubled the income and so that NOI that net operating income has bumped up double and now you have a property that's worth two times what you bought it
1: yeah. And I mean, and I know that for a fact, because we cash out refinanced it. I got a 65% loan to value because I don't want to over leverage. And we got a check for $500,000. I got a, a check for 500 grand. So um, that was, that was amazing for 18 months worth of work, but it was because I, I knew, I knew the area. I knew what the rents should be. I found it was off market. I found a lady whose family owned it forever. This was the last property she had. She just wanted to retire and sit on the beach in Ocean City and watch the horses run by and all that stuff. All right, cool. I'll give you what you want. And, uh, you know, I put in the work. And that that work has netted me a million dollars. Like I, I mean, anyone listening out there. Sorry. When, anyone listening out there that, you know wouldn't be happy with making a million dollars in 18 months. Like, let me know, bro. That is life changing. And you pulled half of that
0: out. You tangibly touched half of that a million dollars and didn't pay taxes on it because <laughs> it's a cash out refi.
1: Yep. And I still have uh my loan is for 1.1. 1. 1. Um, So there's still 600 grand in there and there's, you know, that was with three units that weren't renovated or at market rents. So mm-hmm. I still have enough room. I believe that I'm, I'm going to end up selling it for probably like one or 2.2. 2. It's, it's probably what I'll end up selling it for here. Once uh, interest rates come down a little bit and the market turns in, uh, you know, two or three years. I, I'll put some money on it right here on your podcast. I'll probably sell it for 2.2. Oh, 2.
0: Go. So, you got to keep us updated. When you when you sell it, you let me know. And you're coming back on to tell that story, bro. That's amazing. That is, oh, that's so amazing. That fires me up. Congrats, dude. I'm so proud of you and happy for you. Um, That's life-changing stuff right there. But one thing that I'll tell the listeners is he built his way up to this. This is what I call a Grand Slam home run deal. His first one wasn't. He, he he bought a home and it ended up being a rental. He used a HELOC and that one ended up being a rental. The second one, then he bought a triplex. And then as he's learned how to handle this real estate and analyze and learn the game, now he's like, all right, I got it down. Let's go play in the big boy pond. And, um, you know, he, he's literally doing life changing stuff. One thing that, you know, I think is cool to talk about is how to um, separate analyzing those bigger deals compared to the single family home. So, you know how did you find the rents? How did you know what it was gonna rent for based on you fixing it up? Is it the same as what you're doing with a single family like when I have a single family home, I call a property manager and say, "Hey, if I fix this up, it's a three bed two bath fifteen hundred square foot. what will it rent for? They'll tell me do you do the same thing with apartments
1: no actually i I tend to do all of my own research, so I'm using rent ready so rent ready um oh sorry rent- uh rentometer rentometer dot uh, com. So I utilize, utilize that. And that gives you a, a good kind of average. Then um, up until recently, Facebook marketplace was amazing. So you could go and just check the area out, see what similar properties were renting for um, Zillow. And and I was just kind of aggregating all of that information myself. Um, and I just, I knew these areas really, really well. So I knew kind of and I was extremely conservative. Like I, the numbers that I had put in, like I, I never thought that ten unit apartment building was going to be bringing in fourteen grand a month. Like I, I thought like my best, best ever would be like twelve thousand a month. So, like yeah, I'm just extremely conservative, but. You're, you're looking at rentometer, meter even bigger pockets, you can go on there and type in your address and they'll kind of spit out an aggregate of where you're at. And I would just always be extremely conservative and go with the less, like go with the least amount that they put in there. And that's how I run all my numbers. And then I was doing the same thing for these larger apartment buildings. Mm. Um, these larger properties is running it all, all based on that. Um, And then really seeing what that difference was like, that's the biggest thing I, I want to have a swing of at least $300 a unit, um, kind of built in when I'm buying something for it to, it to really have that, that forced appreciation, um, that, that I'm looking for. So, so that, that's how I do it. Um, it's, it's really quite, quite simple, you know, use the same calculators as everybody else to, to run, to run the numbers and, and all of that, um, pull up your public data. It's it's not really crazy. I think the biggest thing with analysis paralysis and all that is just people haven't, haven't ran the numbers enough, haven't done enough deals, like yeah. go out there, you know, hit a single, hit a double, do it again. Then go out there and buy something a little bigger. And uh, I wouldn't recommend going straight to like a 10 or a 15 unit apartment building at all. Like buy that single family, buy that duplex or triplex, you know, like maybe, maybe two or three of those and t- until you get to a comfort level. And then, Once you have that comfort level, uh, then you can get outside of your comfort level and push to that, to that next thing, you know, and it's, it's all by following people like, uh, podcasts like yours, podcasts like mine, um, taking courses, you know, and just getting in that mindset, talking to people, going to meetups, all that kind of stuff. Um, so you can build up that confidence. It's like a muscle, you know what I mean? You got to work out every single day. And sometimes you got to work out your mind to get that confidence enough to go out and do some of these some of these bigger things. I mean, everybody loves the numbers when you talk about making a million dollars and all this stuff, right? It's it's cool. Um, but it's it's buying those properties that cash flow $250 a month that gets you to making that million dollars, you know?
0: Yeah. How many properties did you analyze and never buy, <laughs> you know, before so you made big dog one? And and that's what it takes. And um, you know, you're hearing it from a guy who's doing it and who's done it. You got to put in the work, know the market, understand what you're doing. And if you do good, things are going to come your way. Patrick, this has been amazing, dude. This is what a wonderful story, uh, inspiring story. And, um, I know our listeners are going to take a ton away from this. If they want to get in touch with you and pick your brain more, where's the best way to find you?
1: Yeah. Best way to find me is uh, rental property couple on Instagram. Um, You can also check out uh, the Real FI podcast on Instagram as well. We put out a podcast every week, just like JD. You can go check out his episode um, as well. But I I answer all the DMs, man. I'm I'm posting every single day out there. Sharing this story, you can go look at every single deal we just talked about here. Uh, All the before and after pictures, all the numbers, everything is all posted right there for everybody to see. So I, I would love to hear from you guys. And thank you so much for having me on, man. It's been a blast. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, dude, this has been so inspiring. You're absolutely crushing it. I love what you're doing. You're an awesome guy. You're helping so many people along the journey too, and uh, that's what really counts—being able to pull people along with you. So, uh, listeners, if y'all if y'all are tuning in right now, uh, I would encourage y'all to send this to a couple people. Uh, share this episode with somebody that you know it could help, Patrick. You know, it started from the bottom. Now he's here, right? He he started at ground zero, like some of you are. You hadn't done that first deal, or maybe you have. You've done a few, and you're wanting to scale. This is a great episode to tune into and send to some of your friends. And then take a screenshot of you listening to this or, or watching this on YouTube and tag me at Finance Cowboy and uh, Patrick at Rental Property Couple on Instagram. Uh, share it on your story we would love to thank you personally for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. So Patrick, thanks again, bud. And uh, I'll talk to you soon.
1: Appreciate it, my man. Thank you.